your skeletons and shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul and seal your doom tonight. Spooky, scary skeletons speak with such a screech. You'll shake and shudder in surprise when you hear these zombies shriek. We're so sorry, skeletons, you're so misunderstood. You only want to socialize. But I don't think we where the girls at? The girls aren't coming. They're here? They're not. They're upstairs? I'm gonna go get the girls. The only the only girls that that you'll find in this house are ghosts. <laughs> Because a lady died here. Oh, anyway. oh no. Anyway. Creepy, so. creepy girls and ghost boys. Ghosty ghosts. Do you have... Oh, okay. Question. Sure. Question. Are we into it? Can we get yeah, into we're, it? No, we're do you wanna, started. Do you want to intro it? So I'm... This is... This is it. This is the one with... This is the episode. Yep. This is the 77. And this 77th is with my boy. He back back here. Huh? Back at it huh? is Django Phillips. Django, and uh, it we came. So the last one you did was sixty five, and you we ended search and rescue stories. Which uh, news flashed to me editing the episode. You revealed to me that you didn't care for them that much. So we, uh, I'm not sure if you were joking or if you were being serious. But uh, you really—it made me <laughs> it made me feel so unbelievably shitty to make someone read an entire s- series of episodes about something that did not interest them. I want to clarify. <laughs> I want to clarify. Okay. I want to clarify a few things. A, uh, even the even the stories we read that are not enjoyable are enjoyable to read. Sure. Like even if it's not your blend of horror, it's enjoyable to read. Um and. Overall, I liked Search and Rescue stories. The only thing I didn't like about them was the dude had a fever dream one night, and he saw stairs in the woods, and he was like, well, this is a creepy image. And then he did a story, and that was a creepy thing to be in that story. And then he did seven more stories, and he was like, well, where's the story going to go next? Fucking go to the stairs. Fucking stairs are scary. Yeah. That was, that's the, my only complaint. You didn't actually like the stairs. I like the detail of the stairs. I felt like he just used it as a crutchy crutch. You know? Oh, abs- absolutely. Yeah. He leaned he leaned on it more frequently and more often as the series went on. Right. It wasn't just a once-off, twice-off kind of thing. I did think it would have functioned better as a alien-aliens kind of just... You do it once to introduce it, you do another story about it to to give you the... The continued edge. Uh-huh. But then you just you let it rest. Yeah. Um, what I did want to show you was... Oh, man. I, th- I know I've talked about it on the show, but I'm just pulling it up on the Facebook. So while you're pulling that up, can I ask? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a thing you like to uh, call fans of the show? Oof. Right? Sure. Okay, lay it on me. Oh no, I don't. I was asking. No, I was legit I asking. No, I don't. All right, <clears throat> all right. <clears throat> um, so go ahead and text right now, live as you're listening to this. Go ahead and text me 
uh, your choice. So number one, so text on or your on your not phone. Not text or leave a you comment. Leave do a, a comment do a com- yeah leave on a comment the track if on- you so so first is you first you have to like the video and that will let you leave comments so like the video and well, then it's, it's a link like like the, like the link <laughs> like the link okay and then leave a comment on our message board saying where which Instagram is your favorite Instagram for memes for and then and then <laughs> and then email Am I supposed to stop you <laughs> email your mom on Facebook. And ask her to ask your professor on on rate my professor, give or your professor a hotness rating, and then comment that hotness rating on lotsapasta.com uh, and yeah. and tag us in it, and that's what we'll call the fans. Sure. Right. Uh huh. Yeah, I think it's pretty straightforward. That that right there is how we end up calling our fans. Hitler did nothing wrong. Yeah. That's, that's how Hitler did nothing wrong. <laughs> yeah. Came into the scope of That's of absolutely the world. right. We'd so have to do some self-editing because it wouldn't be good. That's where we're going to end up. Yep. What, I, what I wanted to bring up was uh, Channel Zero. Oh, shit. They're doing a season three, but newsflash for fucking me and listeners to the show. It's... It's coming out in February. They're not waiting until October next year to do another season. They're starting a fall and spring seasons of this show, which means we're fucking getting somewhere, people. Creepypastas on the medium. So, um, this one, Butcher's Block, which I know I brought up on another episode, Mm -hmm. is what Search and Rescue Stories is kind of based off of. And I'm going to try to get this to pick up. On the mic, just so that I could kind of like advertise it here. What's that Sweet. Scary about staircase. If you ever see one, just keep walking. Whatever you do, don't go up it. On sci-fi. I mean that that sounds pretty good. But yeah, uh, we. Uh, sounds awesome. What's so scary about? What's so scary about what's a so staircase? Scary about... Yeah, what's yeah. so scary? And then the, uh, I, I love the picture. Oh, that's cool. Very Stephen King. Very cool Very picture. 80s. Yeah. Fright Night. Like one of his book covers, yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, Salem's Lot. It, so, it um, <laughs> yeah. We, um, I, I really like Channel Zero. I like everything they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I like the Search and Rescue stories. So, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm excited to see what they pull from it because anyone who watched their Candle Cove or their No End House knows that they kind of go in their own direction. Right. So it seems like what they pulled from Search and Rescue the most is what you dislike <clears throat> so much about we'll Search see, and Rescue. We'll see how it goes. It is, it, is, it is definitively about the stairs. I want you to know that. The whole... The, the whole entire six-episode arc is going to be about... All right. The entire... Butcher's Block okay. is going to be about mystical stairs. All right. All right. <clears throat> but I think they can do a, a Barkerish thing with it. They're calling it Butcher's Block. I'm I'm excited. I'm already excited. Still excited. Still looking forward to it. Haven't watched No End House yet. That's like on my to-diss list. It's, it's artsy. It's artsy-fartsy, okay. I guess okay. is what I could say. They take, um, they take their time. It's a real slow burn. I know Candle Cove was a bit of a slow burn, but they they satiated you with flashbacks, right? About 
the show right and and drawing you into the details of the show and the details of the kid but um no end house is very is it isn't it very questioning very somber very slow lots of good panning shots that just you know follow people you know no cuts down streets oh cool um okay yeah very interesting filmmaking if you saw it follows Mm -hmm. did you get around to watching it yes it follows is great uh it has a lot it's a lot like that okay it's a lot like that so if you liked it follows you would enjoy no end house it has the same kind of (sighs) 80s revivalist like new wave-ish kind of feel and the soundtrack is good and the cinematography is good and the acting isn't terrible so it's the most i could say about it follows and it's the most i could say about no end house so butcher's block has a lot of uh well-known actors in it like people are seeing it as a um as a more serious show Mm -hmm. i guess people people most compare it to american horror story but i think it is leaps and bounds better than american horror story with only those two seasons yeah and um rutger hauer is in butcher's block and uh he's fantastic in what is it blade runner who's rutger hauer was he the android in Blade Runner? Yeah, he's, oh, the, wow. he's the big bad at the end. Oh, um, shit. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, that's Rucker Hauer. Um, Hobo with a shotgun. Rucker Hauer. Gotcha. Real good. Real, real good actor. Um, but anyway, um, that's all I, I really wanted to talk about, just because we read the Search and Rescue stories on your episode. And, like, I know I'm going to be watching that when it comes out in a couple weeks. By the time this episode comes out, the arc will probably be over. You could probably watch the entire thing online in one sitting. Mm-hmm. So... Oh, I'm watching. Yeah, you could you could binge No End House for sure. Uh, like right now. Yeah. Um, go to hdonline.to. <gasps> just it's a website, and you could watch anything. Just do it. Is it legal? Absolutely not. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! But you're streaming it. You're not downloading it, so you're not. Like, you're a lot less likely to get in trouble. I'm gonna call my mom. Really quick. <laughs> Oh, okay. So, Django, I gave <clears throat> you a very big list of things we could do on this episode, and yep. you picked probably my least enthusiastic option Woo! of all of them. Yes. But um, but what interested you most about the premise of this episode? Uh, all right. So, so today's tonight's tonight's episode is about uh. Weird, strange, creepy things happening in different places all around the globe. Yeah, we're going to see a lot of different locales. We're going to read a lot of short stories that just seem to be about, in this place, blank, 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 blah, blah, monster, blah. That's it. Or, in this place, blank, blank, death. Lots of death. That's it. Lots of the deaths. <clears throat> yeah. That's it. I think those are the types of stories we're going to we're going to find in this episode. Um, which reminds me about another episode that we have coming up, which is going to be um, a most haunted of. Like a most haunted of the world, a most haunted of the country, most haunted of the state. Because cool. I don't know if anyone else knows this, but we, we record this in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is known for being one of the more particularly creepy states <clears throat> of the 50. We got so. some crazy shit. Yeah, we really do. We really do. We really do. Eastern State Pen. Yeah. The, the like, the Hellstones. Yeah, the, the Melonheads. Uh, Gettysburg. Yeah. 
shit ton. Shadow shadow people. Yeah. Um, ghost hunters. A yep. lot of ghost hunter shit happens around Pit- Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah. Night of Living Dead. Did you say that? Yeah. Uh, no, Night of Living Dead. Night of Living Dead. That's All a- zombies yep. were born in Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh. Um, Evan City went there with Disco Dracula. Nice. Um, yeah, we spent a little weekend there. Nice. Uh, zombie museums and shit. Anyway, um, yeah. So this this episode is kind of like a fictional version, and then we're going to be covering the uh, non-fictional version of Most Haunted Places with uh, Terry the Tickler at some point. Nice. Soon. Some point soon. He hasn't been around for a while, and we're gonna we're gonna bring him back with that. Get a reel him back in. But this first one we're gonna start with. This one's from a Tumblr called The Other Side, which last I checked, I can no longer find. So it makes me sound insane. Um, it never I, existed. It never existed. I created all these stories. I am the other side. Oh my god. This first story is called Hell House. <sighs> yeah, no, I'm gonna. Read it. Okay. <laughs> In Columbia, Maryland, there are a few local legends which come to mind and which have a remarkable tendency to be based in truth. This is one of those legends. The true story of Hell House begins in the small town of Ellicott City, a short drive from Columbus. The town's main street is a quaint collection of coffee houses, antique stores, and head shops. It is surrounded by high hills and dense ancient forest. A river runs through it. Is that a movie? Is that a book? A river runs through it? Is that a TV show? Isn't it just a way to say something? Like a, no. Like a commonplace? You think, I think it's a title? I think it's a title of maybe a book. <laughs> Comment on our message board, if you know. <laughs> there is an old, insane asylum, the subject of other true stories, and an overall air of energy in the supernatural. Now is where details begin to get sketchy, but I will outline fact. Many years ago, there was an old girls' Catholic school. In a fit of insanity that befit the strange atmosphere... An old priest allegedly hung five girls facing each other around a pentagram and shot himself. Friends tell me they've researched local historical documents and found that the story of a murder is true, though the demented details were omitted, probably for the sake of decency as this was many years ago. The house still stands, and stories of it are numerous. Area teenagers are fascinated. One, let's call him Steve, went with a group of his friends to visit the house. They drove down taking the strange road that seems to be invisible from the main road, past the old cement plant and warehouse now stark and deserted, the decrepit hell house looming at the horizon. When the car passed along and the front and back windows aligned, it was truly a sight that would make the hardest of skeptics get a bad case of the willies. It always got dark earlier by the house than in the area surrounding it, and the dark was a darker dark than most were used to. Dark, darker dark. (laughs) It seemed to be palpable and played tricks on the mind. Back to the story at hand. The teenagers drove by the house, parked nearby. Both entrances to the road leading up the hill are mysteriously blocked, one by a fallen tree, the other by a mysterious absence of pavement and the abundance of overgrowth. The boys walked up the hill, feeling the whole time that something was stopping them. The terror they felt was both unexplainable and indescribable, but eventually they got to the top. There was a fantastic view on one cliff. There was a tent (laughs) fan... There was... (laughs) There was, there was a tan magic view. <laughs> there was a fantastic view on one cliff, and to the left, the house. All were afraid to go up to the door, much less inside. They heard the stories. Candles, blood, an old man. Some say an old man coughed. <coughs> oh, shit. This thing rips. 
They'd heard <clears throat> stories. They'd heard the stories. Candles, blood, and an old man. Some say an old man guarded the place with rubber bullets and dogs. The dogs were real enough, put there by police eventually. No. The dogs. Some say the old man... <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Some say the old man was in jail or died. What the boys did see outside was frightening. Already terrified, the boys were seeing things that weren't there, when one of them thought he caught a glimpse of something nearer to the side of the house. It wasn't until they were nearly upon him that they saw an old man holding a giant pitchfork. What? Okay. Jesus Christ. <clears throat> giant pitchfork sized. Wooden spoon. The size of a pitchfork. Not the size of something else. You know. No, no, no. A pitchfork sized wooden spoon. No, I know. <laughs> I know, but wooden why would you describe it with a pitchfork? The size of a pitchfork. That's not... Okay. A wooden spoon. <laughs> okay, no, I got it. No, I understand the construction of the No, 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 no. Yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> no. I'm defending it, but you're right. I'm not. I'm... Uh, it wasn't until they were nearly upon him that they saw an old man holding a giant pitchfork-sized wooden spoon and a priest's collar. My spoon's too big. It's the size of a pitchfork. The boys ran down the hill, and one even cried. They drove themselves home. Along the way, they felt better and laughed at themselves for thinking it was a ghost. <laughs> Still, the fact that they all saw the same thing was disturbing. However, when they discussed the incident with others, they discovered that many had seen the same vision. Old man with a spoon, or sometimes an old priest with bloody hands. One story even held. Those are two very different things. How? He either has the spoon or he fucking doesn't. <laughs> one's, one's not even scary. One's just an old man trying to eat soup. <laughs> like, on the porch. I can't... I found my spoon. Ah! But I can't find where I left my soup. <laughs> one story even held that girls can be heard crying. Whatever it was, it remains constant for those who see it. Always doing something different. Always maddening. I've tried to visit Hell House three times. The first, I tried driving up the driveway. I had no sooner started up than it rained and the muddy trail made my wheels slip. The second, I tried driving again, but in nearly the same place as the rain hindered my advance, my car stalled and would not start. It was a new car that had never given me trouble before. Once I tried walking with a friend, but at the point I had stopped before, we were gripped with paralyzing fear and could not bear to go on. Sheer, unexplainable terror for someone who has explored supernatural sites before with no such fear. If any who read this have been inside the house or know anything else can help eliminate some myth, please post and let me know. Yeah, no. I think there's a really important writing tip. I learned this only in like the most recent classes, and that's the difference between present tense and past tense. So important, you guys. Sure. You guys gotta know your drives from your drivens. You gotta know your gones from your goings. Cause it's just you you gotta. Um yeah, it wasn't great. To say the least. Yeah. Uh toast, you know, you gotta remember Tumblr is like every thirteen year old girl. It actually I was gonna say that it sounds like someone wrote it when they were either fourteen or or like English was like a second language, mm-hmm. like not yeah. Sure, it definitely does. Uh, this next one is Unit Two Thirty Two Two Three Two. I think I'm gonna say it that way. That That's adds you know what that adds creepier. up to seven. <laughs> I 
was seven. Gonna, yeah, I was gonna say two threes is three, is six. But time. <laughs> and then two more of those is six six six. Oh, oh my that's god! That's what it was. Shit. In a nondescript rural corner of the American Midwest, in a long row of units at one of the many dilapidated mini storage businesses that dot the dreary landscape, is a unit. Unit 232, with barely noticeable scratches in the concrete in front of the sliding door. Upon closer inspection of Unit 232, the careful observer will note a few things. The frame around the door to the unit is dinged and bent up all along its entire length to the point that the door cannot be slid open even an inch. The door itself is curiously warped. Some describe it as pinched. At the center though not badly enough to see it at first glance. The brown tan paint covers up several much older layers that can be observed where chipping has occurred. An even more careful observer will discover that the entire row of units in which 232 is contained is of an older architectural style than the other rows, indicating that it alone has remained in place possibly since the inception of the storage facility. Bullshit. The owner, of course, has a story about Unit 232, although he doesn't like to tell it. When he was much younger, someone rented the unit. Who? He doesn't recall. And then disappeared after that, never paying the next month's rent. Such things, the owner will say, happen often in his business, for all kinds of reasons. And so he and his boys clipped the flimsy lock from the unit along with several other unpaid lots a few weeks later, intending to sell its contents at blind auction and recoup some of their losses. Unfortunately, even with all three of them grunting and heaving at the door, it would not lift at all. Angry, the owner hired out some heavy machinery to tear the door down instead. Behind the door, the owner said, was nothing but a solid wall of dull steel. The small backhoe tore the flimsy aluminum door out easily, but barely made a scratch in the metal. Exploratory cuttings elsewhere around the unit revealed the same metal pressed against every wall. Whatever it was, it seemed practically bolted into the concrete. The next revelation was the discovery of a large, plain keyhole set into the block, which the owner supposes must actually have something else inside of it on the side that faced the back of the unit. A locksmith was hired to examine the keyhole, but the moment he began feeling out the hole with his turning tools, he fainted clean away. When he came to an hour or so later, he was in such bad shape that his eyes would not focus and his tongue would not form words, and he was eventually committed to the county mental health ward, back when it was still called an asylum, the owner will say where he managed to hang himself with a towel a few months later. Don't hang that yourself, lock bro. fucking sucked. <laughs> Don't take it so hard if you can't get into places. Having had quite... My entire life was built no, around the locksmithing don't. business. I have, no, I have nothing... There's always more locks. Having had quite enough of these goings-on, the owner called in a full-scale demolition service to take out the unit with a bulldozer. When the vehicle arrived, the engine cut out and could not be started again until it had been towed some miles away. 
spooked because of the story about the locksmith, which caused a small local media sensation at the time. The driver decided against trying a second time, and when word got around to the other heavy equipment companies in the area, the owner was left with no one to try and finish the job. Naturally, he will say, he decided to rent the equipment and have one of his employees take care of it for him instead. But this is where he trails off every time. What happened to the worker? And if you press him for the story of that worker, oh. he will say nothing, only staring off out the window of his office as though you are not there at all. Huh. In the end, he will say, clearing his throat, he carefully repaneled the walls, attached a new door, welded it in place, and banged up the frame as an added precaution. The pinching at the center of the door, he will tell you, seems to happen on its own. But he has learned to stop asking questions about whatever is locked up inside that huge steel box. Of course, every lock has a key somewhere in the world that fits in it. What is inside the cube in Unit 232. Whoever has the key might know, more likely, it has been passed along from attic to attic and rummage sale to antique shop so many times that whoever has it has no idea what it's used for. Check your garage, basement, attic, or junk drawers. Almost everyone has a few big old keys lying in dark corners somewhere that he or she cannot recall the purpose of. Perhaps one of yours fits the lock hidden inside unit 232 <laughs> it's like a really bad are you afraid of the dark episode yeah with like a half-baked idea someone who has a phobia of locks wrote that yeah um it really turned around there really it really did i thought uh i thought it was gonna finally like rest on something creepy and it was like no, but you might Nothing have a happened. key because everyone Every uses lock. keys. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what the story said. Everyone has a Wegman's loyalty card. Maybe your Wegman's loyalty card will fit. Uh, I want to read that one. Let's let's go to no sleep. Let's change it up a little All right. bit. Okay. Let's change it up. I the thing about this geography episode is that we're pulling from different sources. So if we don't yeah. like one source, we could go to a different Some one. source might be shit. Are you up? Yeah. Um, I will take another though. Okay. So this one is um from Reddit No Sleep, which we've been reading a little bit of lately. We have a bunch of different things going on. It's always fun to come back to no sleep. They're always solid. And if they're short like this, then I must have just read a couple read a couple sentences and said, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, it's like that. Mm -hmm. People are disappearing in northern Canada. For the last 35 years, a lake in northern Canada has been the site of hundreds of suspected drownings. The location is in the middle of the Canadian tundra. There is nothing around. No food, no shelter. Just cold, inhospitable wilderness. The lake is frozen eight months out of the year. Nothing happens then. But during the thaw, when we're doing our flyovers, we'll see clothes floating on the surface of the water. Like we've always done, we'll dispatch a team to investigate. They'll bring back what they can recover, which will invariably be clothing in someone's wallet or purse. So far, we've never recovered a single body. Had the lake been deep or veined with labyrinthine? Labyrinthine. Oh, my God. I thought that was a chemical. I gotta slow down with that shit. Alright. 
caverns. Woo! Tunnels. Hey, yo. Labyrinth. Had the lake been deep, or veined with labyrinthine subterranean caves, we wouldn't think twice about not being able to recover a body. Same if the lake was full of fish, who were big enough to eat and digest the body. But the lake's 40 feet deep at its deepest point. It's crystal clear. We can see the bottom from our helicopter, just as clearly as a boater can from its surface. Our watch post has turned into an international notification service for missing people. The Canadian government granted us the authority, along with the equipment, to research and contact anyone who might be familiar with the owners of the forms of identification. Each time contact is made, we learn the person had been reported missing. There doesn't appear to be any time limit on how long a person has to be missing before their clothing and IDs are found floating. Some can be missing for days, others for years. Any personal effects we recover then get set back to the families or loved ones. While the situation is bizarre, I've never lost much sleep over it. It's all too surreal. Without any bodies or signs of violence, it's easy to brush the darkest aspects of it aside. But this past spring, after the thaw and the new recoveries, different reports started coming in. Indigenous people within a 300-mile range started showing up in hospitals. Unexplained burns have been found on their skin. Further, the cancer rate among the indigenous population has risen by 400%. I haven't been alone in noticing the new bluish lights seen reflecting off low-hanging clouds. I had a hunch one night and had our helicopter pilot fly us in the direction of the lake. Like I expected, the flashes of blue against the clouds intensified as we got closer. Upon our arrival to the site, hovering approximately 100 feet above the lake, <clears throat> blue light would shine at irregular intervals from the bottom. The pilot, a former American military engineer, said it looked like Cherenkov for radiation. That alone wouldn't be enough for me to write this. Unexplained natural phenomena is a fact of life. It seems like the more remote you are, the more inexplicable things you'll encounter. The floating clothes concern me, but don't frighten me. The flashing light fascinates me, but it doesn't disturb me. But there's one last thing. A geological expedition recently finished a topographical study of the surrounding area for an unrelated purpose. Their data, like all state research, was made available to us. Being moderately interested in geology and geological formations, I gave it a look. Something caught my eye. I went to our database of the photographs we'd taken and the personal effects we recovered from the lake. I was looking for ID photos. Before long, I found what I was looking for. I checked it against the geological data I'd seen. Not really believing what I was looking at, I checked again with another ID photo. Same thing. For 500 miles around the lake where people disappear, the topographical readouts show the vague but unmistakable shapes of the faces of the missing people. And the faces are clearly screaming. Oh! Oh! That would be, um... That would be, like, a national concern. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't a satellite pick that up, like... You would think. Weeks in advance. I think you get a call from Google Maps. Or Google Earth, yeah. and they'd be like, hey... Someone would be like, hey, there are... There are faces. Screaming faces in screaming the Earth. faces? In the Earth. Right there. Do you know... Last week it was a McDonald's, and now there's a screaming face <laughs> in the ground. Did you notice anything? Did you see that? Did you see that happen? That happened. <laughs> this next one is from Unsettling Stories, which is always fun. I Ooh. feel like that last Reddit No Sleep could have been a Unsettling Stories that just transferred over. Mm -hmm. But that's usually the, the type of quality. Okay. This one's called There's Something Dangerous Living Near the Power Plant in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Shit. I think it's Godzilla. <laughs> Hipster Godzilla. 
I don't know if any of you are familiar with the area, but the people who live here have been talking about it for the last couple weeks. No one can agree on what it is, but the one thing they know is a lot of pets have gone missing. Birds, too. The power plants on Long Island South, and there used to be seagulls and herons all over the place. Not anymore. The Connecticut's Post's main office is only a few blocks away on State Street, but they haven't published stories about anything out of the ordinary. Same with News 12. That doesn't mean they haven't heard rumors, though. A guy I work with, Dion Hargrove, called up the Post last week to tell them about something he saw over by the old Remington building. The Remington building is right across from a walking park that runs parallel to the University of Bridgeport campus. The park's beautiful during the day, but at night, like the rest of the area, it's sketchy as hell. If what Dion saw was after dark, he wouldn't have made... he wouldn't have thought much of it. He wouldn't have stayed to watch. But at 11 a.m. on a sunny day, he knew what he was seeing was very out of place. While Dion walked, he noticed a person crouching by the front door of the Remington building. He wasn't too close, but it was a clear shot across the street through the chain link fence. The person was wearing a heavy green New York Jets coat despite it being almost 80 degrees out and humid. In his hands was a cat, and he was eating it. Now, Bridgeport has its share of homeless people, many of whom are mentally ill. If you remember that story from Florida about the homeless guy who ate his friend's face, well, he was originally from Bridgeport. But I digress. Fun fact. But as Dion watched, the guy buried his face into the poor cat's belly and gnawed away. Then he looked up and saw Dion watching him. He dropped the cat and ran, but not before Dion could see something was very wrong with him. First off, he looked extremely overweight. That alone isn't worthy of mention, of course, but there was something deeply unsettling about his bulk. It shifted under the heavy coat as he ran, but not with his steps. It moved on its own. Right before the man turned the corner into the rear of the building, something fell from his coat. It was like a reddish-gray slab of skin. It trailed behind him as he turned, but then lifted on its own and disappeared behind the building. Dion didn't know what the hell he'd just seen, but he figured he probably had to call the cops. Bridgeport cops have an unpleasant reputation, but considering the guy was so close to university, Dion was worried that he might try to hurt a student. The cops came and took his statement, but he never heard anything back. His call didn't show up in the Post's police log. Dion's report is the most detailed, but it's not the only one, not by a long shot. Boaters in Long Island South have complained about their motors getting snagged and ruined as they pass by the power plant. Nearby residents, aside from losing their pets, have made noise complaints about a low, screaming howl coming primarily from the area surrounding the plant, but sometimes as close as the street outside. And then there's David Chung. David was a student at the University of Bridgeport. He just moved into his dorm in August, and the security camera showed him walking around the campus and heading off down the street to the beach. The next morning, David's body was found in the water near the power plant's dock. There was a brief investigation, and it was determined he drowned while swimming, and the damage to his body was the result of being struck by a barge delivering coal to the plant. My friend in the police department, though, told me he'd seen floaters hit by those barges. David didn't look anything like them. To make matters worse, the official report didn't mention the kid's wounds. The holes. 
holes all over his body that looked like they'd been sucked out rather than punctured. And the reports also neglected to mention the fact that David had been found wrapped in a heavy green New York Jets coat. The same one Dion Hargrove had described to the police. To yep. anyone who... He drowned. <laughs> this case is closed. He drowned. 14 holes? Drowned. <laughs> Obviously, he couldn't breathe through the holes. He drowned. To anyone who thinks this warrants more of an investigation, I implore you to spread this around. I want people to see what's happening here and not let the violence get swept under the rug like every other urban community. Because I know something very wrong is living near the power plant, something that's now moved on from birds and cats to people. And every night as I shiver behind locked doors with my rifle, I can hear it howling. What? I think that was fucking cool. Yeah, it was cool. What is it? Was it the skin thing? So there were holes in his... There was something under his jacket that was like controlling him. Yeah, and it was like a mess that was around his body. I'm thinking like a leechy kind of wormy Like a whole thing. bunch of leeches? Or worms. a leech? Yeah. Worms, maybe? Oh, like some Silent Hill? Yeah. This? Yeah. Some sluggos. Sluggy mm-hmm. sluggos. This one's fun. Have you heard of this? Do you know the Diatolf Pass? Oh, yeah. I do. This is fun. Uh, this is the game... <laughs> uh, yeah. This uh, is not a game. Yeah. It's uh, X-H-O-L-A-T. Which I think in Russian you pronounce totally different. It's probably like Dolar uh, or something. Kolath. 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 Yeah. Is this really? Oh, it is. Yeah. Kolath. That's 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 why. Shit. Yeah. That's what inspired that makes Kolath. Sense. Yeah. The game club. Because I knew of that game, but I knew of this way before that mm. game. Yeah. That's what. Wow. That, was that the game's context makes so much more sense now. Right. He really is just kind of lost out there in the in the snow. That's it. Interesting. Yeah. This is the. Dyatlov Pass incident. Can I do a really bad Colin Russian? true! I'm going to do really bad Russian for the whole thing. One sec. Oh, me. this is the true version. Okay, good. This is true! It's <sighs> a lot of rim. Okay, <clears throat> so... This is from the other side Tumblr. Here it comes. Oh, oh, boy. The Dyatlov Pass incident refers to an event that resulted in the deaths of nine ski hikers in the northern Ural Mountains on the night of February 2nd, 1959. It happened on the east shoulder of the mountain, Kolachargal. Uh, Mansi name, meaning Mountain of the Dead. Mountain of the Dead. The mountain pass where the incident occurred have since been named Dyatlov Pass after the group's leader, Igor Dyatlov. The lack of eyewitnesses and subsequent investigations into the hikers' deaths have inspired much speculation. Investigators at the time determined that the hikers tore open their tent from within, departing barefoot in heavy snow. Though the corpses showed no signs of struggle, two victims had fractured skulls, two had broken ribs, and one was missing her tongue. According to sources, four of the victims' clothing contained substantial levels of radiation. There is no mention of this in contemporary documentations. It only appears in later documents. Soviet investigators determined only that a compelling unknown force had caused the deaths. Access to the area was barred for skiers and other adventurers for three years after the incident. Chronology of the incident remains unclear due to the lack of survivors. Yeah, so anything could have fucking happened. Yeah. Frankly. <clears throat> Word. I always thought that was cool, because... Because it's true. Stuff. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. It doesn't really... It uh, doesn't happen too often. Usually there's someone somewhere to take record, to take note, to at least shed some insight, but... Mm-hmm. 
This is just um Dyatlov. Dyatlov. Yeah, it's just skiers just doing a trip. I recently read on uh, Reddit. Um, I fo- I'm following a new sub about um, shit like that, and one of them is all about a uh, a group of people who ended up in the mountains and like were found starving in a house full of food. Weird. And from exposure. Is that this is real? This is real. Wow. Real. It's weird. So people were trying to figure out the. Um, figure out what happened because yeah. there were there were no survivors and no witnesses shit nothing yeah there's there's some crazy shit and you know the Dyatlov is just one of many just one of those shits yeah man crazy. Um, this one's called at the lake i have a feeling it's gonna be a lot shittier than all the rest of the stories it's no from, it happens from the, the other side tumblr this happened a few years ago when i was camping by lake hansu hansu in the middle of the night, as we sat around the fire, I heard a woman scream from the direction of the lake. Help! Anyone? <laughs> I turned my head towards the lake and saw, and, and saw a woman drowning in it. I jumped to my feet, thinking I could help her quickly. I was about to throw myself into the water when my friend said, What are you doing? <laughs> he tried to pull me back. What am I doing? We've got to help her! I replied, but he said, Cool your head down and look again. Cool your head down, man. Cool your head down and look again. You know she's very far from us, but it's pick black. <laughs> How is it possible that we can see her face so clearly? Now that's kind of creepy. <laughs> His words make me look towards the lake again. Then I realized the woman had stopped struggling in the water and was now staring steadily at us. But the water was too deep for anyone to stand in. (laughs) And as my friend said it was pitch black around us, yet I could still see every detail of her face. Her face looked strangely luminous, although the light from our fire was too faint to reach that far. Totally freaked out, we immediately packed everything up and left. We tried not to look toward the lake while we packed, but I could feel her eyes following our every move. I swear, I'll never go back to that place again. (laughs) It took them three hours to pack up. And they were just like, they were like, is she still back there? Is she? Oh my god! Is she? Is she coming over? Is she? Is she, is she back there? Is there anything? In my oh teeth? no! Is there anything? Jordan, in my... Jordan, get the tent. Is get there the anything temples. in my teeth? Jordan. Wanna... Well, we have to wait for we have to wait for Cal. He went to poop. <laughs> well, that was terrible. I loved it. Oh, that was great. I could give you a good. I could give you a good one. Do you want a good one? I want. Yes. Let's do the Devil's Hole. Ooh. This one. This is an actual place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know this is the dot? Um, I could pull it up. Oh, that's an actual thing. Yeah, it's a link. Okay, so I'll describe what we're seeing here. So there's a man in a, a <laughs> red suit with horns. That's not what I remember. Uh, and then there's a, I would say, a waist high countertop. Uh, it looks like granite or or possibly marble. <laughs> Um, and he's, he's, you can kind of see he's hooved and then he's bent over. (laughs) Oh yeah. And then you see right there, you can see all the way inside of him. Anyway. Yeah. So back to the picture. Devil's hole. Okay. All right. Actually, this is what I thought. That actually makes sense. It's the dot, the cave, the water cave. Anyway, but this is in Nevada. (laughs) So I thought we were talking about the one in Mexico. 
<laughs> so now, now I understand. <laughs> Just start from anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, alright. Anyway. <laughs> I've always found this place somewhat disconcerting. We have a vague idea of how it came to be and what makes it do what it does, but there's something else. Something off. The other day, we sent a little submarine drone into the water to see if it could map out the labyrinthian cave system we know is there, but has been completely inaccessible for decades. Also, we wanted to find out how deep it goes. Oh, how deep is it? How deep is it? The first part of the experiment is $80 million. The second part of the experiment, they want to know how deep it goes. How deep? Also, while you're down there... It's so deep. How deep? The fact an earthquake in China could cause the water to rise so substantially at this spot in Nevada makes it think it goes way deeper than preliminary estimates. Mm, Right. Like all the way through the world. Why don't they just drop a tape measure? I don't understand that. They'll see it. They'll see the tape measure. Oh, and they'll grab it. And they'll be like, measure this. And then you get pulled through the dogscape. Shit. That was kind of a geological episode. It was. the. It was about dollars. The, the, the geology was all dollars. It was dollars. The sub started to map the first 50 feet. It was tough to get a great signal. The mineral content of the water was really inhospitable to the systems we use and how they communicate with one another. Not to mention the superheated water near the geothermal vents once you got down there could be enough to disable the drone entirely. At around 75 feet, the signal got really touchy. Touchy and feely in a weird way. We'd have a few minutes of decent communication, but then it would cut out completely and leave us wondering if the sub had crashed or been damaged beyond recovery. The deepest I've ever dived is about 75 to 80, so... Okay. This is... So this is it's, past that. It's gonna get past that. Ooh, shit. During the windows, when we could move the drone, we explored from cave to cave and went deeper and deeper. The water was well above boiling. As the pressure increased, so did the temperature. The sub was rated for up to 400 degrees for a short period of time, and pockets of water were getting close to that maximum. We got to a relatively cool spot, around 225 Fahrenheit, and were told to stand by. Greg, the guy who was operating the optical equipment on the drone, kept insisting that he was seeing flashes of light way below our position. I kept insisting that the equipment was malfunctioning and causing the flashes, but Greg wouldn't shut up about another sensor registering bursts of heat at the same time the flashes showed up. We argued for a little while and the drone stayed in place. The water level in the hole started to rise. This wasn't unexpected. A surprisingly little amount of seismic activity anywhere in the world was enough to move the water over here. We kept bickering and didn't notice more flashes on the screen until much later, when we analyzed the video. What finally knocked us out of our respective tantrums, though, was the way the water started to change color. It went from its normal shade to a dull red. Greg glanced at the screen and noticed the depth of the water in the cave chamber, originally at 36 feet, had changed to 353,000 feet. We knew it had to be an error. More flashes showed up on the screen as the water frothed and burbled on the surface. Then the feed went dead. And stayed dead. Greg and I analyzed the video overnight. Everything we'd seen was there was just confu- Everything we'd seen was there and just as confusing. But then Greg saw a tiny spike in the audio track right when the depth of the cave appeared to drop straight down. He ran through it a few times to amplify the signal and clean it up, and then he played it back. We listened to it about 20 times in a row, despite hearing it perfectly the first time. Let me sleep. 
Um, let me dream. Oh, soon I'll come up. <laughs> oh, soon I'll rest. <laughs> oh, I swear, soon let I'll rest. Just let me sleep. Corresponding with the massive increase in depth in the last word of the message, there was one more flash in the final video frame before the drone was lost. After Greg cleaned it up, we saw what it was. A single glowing red eye that looked like the size of a house. Wow. Shit! The size of a house from 353,000 feet above. Shit! Um, that story did several things. And what it didn't do <laughs> was um, anything related to the devil's hole that I had assumed. <laughs> so... That's okay, though. Um, it did have some holes. It did have some devils. Ooh. Ooh. So, you know, it certainly did those things. So would you let it sleep? Or would you go down again? Oh, no, you let, pull it, it, up? You let it sleep. No, you can't let it sleep. It's a warning. So this one is a repost from uh, the other side, Tumblr. It's called Something Hitch. Hitch is going on in China right China. now. China. China. If you're doing the itch, you gotta go to the China. 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 Right now. It's 6.30 a.m. and my brother calls me from Toronto telling me to wake up and check my email. The last time he called me was in April of last year when mom was hospitalized, so I figured whatever this is about must be pretty serious. I signed in and saw the email that my brother forwarded me, one that was forwarded to him by his boss and who got it from someone else. I don't know the original sender of the email, so I won't be able to answer any of the questions or verify anything. The first thought that came to my mind when I saw this email was to post it to our conspiracy or our no sleep, so without further ado, Ari, something itch is going on in China right now. As many of you know, I've been in China for the past six months and was supposed to be back in Vancouver tomorrow evening. I wish that was still the case. One thing led to another, and now I'm stranded in a really, really bad spot. Let me recount the events that led me here before I forget the details. Four hours ago, I was in Luohu Station trying to catch a train to the airport. I just crossed the border from Hong Kong, and I was running way behind schedule. Why? Why? It was mostly my own fault getting stuck at Immigrations for an entry permit which expired at midnight. When I finally got through, the last train had already departed. The taxi ride from Luohu to the airport was going to cost an arm and a leg, so I was pretty pissed at myself for missing that train. My flight back to Vancouver was in two hours. It's long gone now. And the queue at the taxi station is always crazy during the time of night. Just as I was miserably lugging my bags toward the exit, I heard the sound of a subway train speeding towards the platform. Seconds later, one came to a full halt in front of me. I was saved, I thought, and hopped on without thinking twice. Can I pause? Sure. Can I pause? Are we in the present day, or is this a flashback? Something huge. <laughs> no, no, stop. It's going listen. on in China right now. Listen, listen. This part of the story is at the fucking train station. Or the airport, wherever. Is this is this when he got the email? No, this is the story in the email. This is the email. No, what? This is the email. That's not the email. He's forwarding this. This is the email. No, because this, the this is the email. I teach in China. Blah blah blah. I'm trying to spread this message. World, pick this up. 
That's it's the email. This Fuck. Is the, this is the origin sender. Shit. As soon as the doors closed and the train started moving, I immediately noticed that this was no ordinary passenger train. There were no windows, no advertisements, no announcer telling me to mind the gap, nothing. Just rows of seats and handles dangling from above. The way that the three layers of sliding doors closed looked like something straight out of a sci-fi flick, I can't describe it. My only logical deduction was that I had gotten on a prototype for a new train that they were testing on the tracks tonight. I wasn't even close. About 20 minutes later, the train came to a stop and the doors opened. I stuck my head out and to my relief saw that I had arrived at Grand Theater Station, five stations closer to the airport from Luahu. I say it different every time. With some luck, I would make it to the airport, I thought. Again, I wasn't even close. <laughs> it would be another three hours before the train stopped again. Shit. I was terrified. It didn't help that nobody else was on the train and that the compartments weren't connected to another. When I got off the train, I saw that the station was still in the middle of construction. The smell of paint was so strong I kept one arm up so to cover my nose. Then I saw all the posters. These crazy huge propaganda posters. They are everywhere. From where I got off the train to where I am right now, there are posters wherever there are walls. There are also these giant screens all over the place that aren't turned on yet, but I can take a pretty good guess what they will be playing based on what's on the posters. So why am I freaking out? Let me tell you what one poster says. Gib gibberish marks. Translation... 10,000 hearts united. Defeat America, Japan. It's Chinese. Ching Fai Hong Fong. Ching Fong. Gibberish marks. There are <laughs> illustrations of Chinese tanks rolling over American soldiers and vilified portraits of Obama and the Prime Minister of Japan. Forget what his name was. There are slogans everywhere, like Judgment Day for Mass Murderer and Never Forget the Massacre of Nanking, etc. I've waited for almost an hour and I don't think there's another train coming. I can't tell whether this place is underground or shielded by a huge dome. It feels to me like this is one big bomb shelter for the whole city to move into. The name of the station is Chinese <laughs> Shenzhen Zone 11. So I'm guessing there are at least ten other stations like this one, maybe more. Please help me forward this to the American Embassy and news stations as well. If you have any friends or family who are in China right now, tell them it's probably a good idea to get the hell out. <laughs> bow, 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 bow. The station name was thus, Chinese. <laughs> thus comes uh, Escape from China, the new... Escape from New York series starring Snake Plissken Kurt Russell in his 60s. Escape from China. <laughs> Otacon. I can't read Chinese. <laughs> oh, that was Metal Gear Solid. Snake Plissken. Whoa. No, what? No, that's Solid Snake. Yeah. Snake Plissken is. No, Plissken is Solid Snake in Metal Gear Solid 2. Get the fuck out of here. You're full of shit. Yo. You Kurt wrong. Russell is not. You wrong. Anyway, here. Here's this. I like that. I like that story, actually. That was cool. No, that was cool. Yeah. I liked it. I thought it was going to go somewhere else. I you wanted... thought it was going to go to La Who, but it went to so... Shenzhen Zone 11. Yeah. That was weird. Sure. 
Um, what I wanted it to do was talk about like um, I don't know, like an outbreak or something, like something was going on. Like it sounded a, like a that. sickness or something. Yeah, or like an alien. Like a like, like a. You, you ever read World War Z? Mm-hmm. Book is phenomenal. Yeah, book is phenomenal. Movie is bullshit. Anyway, this next story is called "The Man at the Fork from the <laughs> Other Side." So we did "Man with the Spoon." Man and now this spoon. is the man with the fork. This is the man with the fork. There is a certain road near the Everglades in Florida. If you drive down it alone in the rain, day or night, you will suddenly have a very f- real feeling of being completely lost. Your radio will turn to static, your CDs will skip, and your tapes will play slower than normal. You try and find a map in your car, it will have mysteriously vanish. If you continue forward down the road for more than a minute, you will find that you cannot turn around, and everything behind you is pitch dark. There are no other roads or cars. You must approach the man, stop at least three feet away. You must stand there silently, waiting for him to speak first. If you break the silence first, you will find yourself back on a main road, but you will die within 24 hours. That's Hmm. good. Interesting. If he speaks first, he will ask you what you require. Tell him that you need to know which road will take you to your destination. He will then ask you what you will offer him in exchange for his assistance. I don't like where this story is going. If you offer him a ride, a handy J, he and your car will disappear, and you will become the new guardian of the crossroad. Oh shit! What with, a bad rap. With a uniform and a little stop sign. Those little, those little <laughs> lights and vests. <laughs> stop at me, please. Continuing down the road, you will come upon a fork with no signposts. In the middle of the fork, there will be a man, covered head to toe in various pieces of clothing. The only skin visible will be around his eyes, which will be a bright green. You must get out of your car, but do not turn it off or close the door after you. If you offer him an umbrella, he will take it and stab you through the chest. (laughs) If you offer him your love, he will take your heart still beating from your chest and eat it. If you offer him a cookie, it won't be long before he asks for a glass of milk. Condemning you to walk the earth without a heart, insane from the pain of loss. You must offer him your loyalty and kneel before him. If you do this, he will close his eyes and bow in return, extending a hand to whichever path will lead you back to safety. But if you try and run from him, you will be dead before you reach your car, and your body will be found back in the Everglades, deep in the swamps. Oh. (laughs) It doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't fucking matter that you read it wrong. (laughs) <laughs> oh man that story was something <laughs> and that's why we do this folks for stories like that to bring you to bring you real the real stuff the real problems that the people need to share let's see if we got any got any else if you speak Chinese to him he know speak Chinese he will give you a sandwich and tell you to leave if you if you hug him, he will call you a faggot and tell you to leave. All right, so we got two more. Okay. No, we don't. All right, we got these two short ones. Let's let's just get through these. Um, and then we have a couple longer ones. So we're so we're still going. All right. This one's called Boiler Room Woo! from the Other Side Tumblr. Hot. If you go to Montpelier, North Dakota, you will find a small school. If you go into the school and then proceed to the basement, you'll find yourself at the door of a boiler room. Go into the boiler room and you'll see blood spattered on the walls. 
On closer inspection, the blood forms a pattern. Words! Before you can read the blood, the lights turn off. You try to leave, but the door is slammed shut and is locked. It is said that 50 years ago, some punk kids locked the janitor in the boiler room while it was malfunctioning, exploded, and killed the janitor and the children. The spirit of the janitor now haunts the school and lures children into the boiler room where he murders them in an act of revenge! <laughs> Was that a good story? <laughs> I got tears of your ketchup sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Did you enjoy that story? <laughs> yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. That was great. We got one more from Toast. Oh, this one's going to be brought to you (laughs) by Django Phillips. This one's called The Cage of Seoul. (laughs) You you fucking know it's not. Is it Seoul? It's Seoul. Seoul. (laughs) Say you will love me forever. (laughs) All right. All right. Okay. All right. I got it. I'm back in it. You got it. <sighs> this one's great. <laughs> Look at it. <laughs> okay. <sighs> Somewhere in the bustling, bustling city of Seoul, a rusting... <laughs> you said it. A rusting birdcage lies forgotten in a quaint little shop selling odd trinkets. Though the shopkeepers never end. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> Odd little trinkets. <laughs> the door remains unlocked. If you wish to, you may take the cage, but touch nothing else. Take the cage and hang it up on a tree where the sunlight shines brightly. If you begin to hear the chirps of a bird, slowly reach for the cage and open the door. You will hear a flutter <laughs> and feel a sudden weight on your shoulder. Mm-hmm. Do not be disturbed. Although unseen, happiness will follow as long as this bird remains on your shoulder. If the bird leaves, the cage awaits. That's it. <laughs> That's the story. That's the That's that was the a one. story. I liked most about that story that someone said they were going to write a story and they wrote it. Good for them. They accomplished what they needed to. Okay, so I think we got two more. Okay. Because <sighs> I'm saving the longer oh, ones for other episodes. So which one do you want? Uh, Last words of an explorer? Or harmony. Um, which one do you want? A creepy pasta or an unsettling story? Give me that. Give me that creepy pasta. Okay. So this next one is called "The Last Words of an Explorer" from Unsettling Stories. Don't fucking do it. September 9th, two thousand sixteen. This city is on no one's map. Why are you laughing? <laughs> If it had ever been, those people have long since died. As have their children, and grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, and great-great-grandchildren, and so on. Nonetheless, here the city stands. My source was right. My money was well spent. These ancient structures are black tombs. We've set up our camp on the outskirts. The city is far too cold. September 10th, 2016, Charles kept watch while I slept. 
He claimed to see no signs of life, but sounds kept him constantly alert. Soft sounds, soft, wet, and unimposing. <laughs> sounds which drifted in and out at the limits of audibility, as if they were whispers, but windblown and damp, redolent of dying breaths and last words. I heard nothing! <laughs> My sleep was as black as the structures ahead of us. No sounds penetrated the dreamless morass. Morass. For a brief moment upon waking, I believed to have been dead. Today, we tore the city. What this guy's the, my hero. What the fuck is going September 11th, 2016. Never forget. <laughs> Before the chill had sapped our energy, we had explored the first couple hundred feet of the city. We stuck to the outsides, cataloging the sheer stone facades of the structures. Despite their immense age, the buildings stood unharmed. We found no indication of what had made the sounds Charles had heard. Overnight, as Charles slept, I heard it myself. They were as he described. However, I recognized structures in sporadic haze of noise. If it wasn't a language, it was a natural phenomenon, unlike any ever discovered. My mind wandered while I watched Charles's chest rise and fall. The whispers <coughs> suffused my auditory cortex, and a synesthetic wave of hallucinatory strangeness swept through me. The sounds shimmered in my vision and danced on my tongue. They tasted like metal, like blood. Rather than feeling disgusted, I felt a perverse sense of joy. <laughs> September 12th, 2016. I know what the story is. I'll explain it to you. I blinked and Charles was gone. How I could have fallen asleep is a mystery. And as I was standing, but when my eyelids lifted, it was day and my partner had disappeared. In his place were footsteps leading to the city. The sounds are loud now. I'm miles within the bowels of the cold black city. Structures tower over me and block the sun. My breath freezes in front of my face on this late summer day. The temperature only contributes to the feeling of wrongness. When the wind blows, I think I hear Charles calling my name over and over and over and over, swept by gales of air and changing pressures and permeating the wet sounds which echo off every hut and dwelling. I will not sleep tonight. September 13th, 2016. The first sign of life presented itself to me early this morning. It was a fleck of skin or gristle glinting in the sunlight. It was attached to the side of a small structure. When I went in close to investigate, I discovered it was growing from deep within a crack in the stone. I pressed my knife into it and it bled and retracted into the rock. If it weren't for the gales of wind and what I know, now know to be Charles's moans, I could have sworn I heard it make a noise. A tiny, wet noise. September 14th, like someone eating macaroni, 2016. I had it macaroni. Is, it is difficult to keep the fires from blowing out overnight with all this macaroni I need to cook. <laughs> The expanse of this city is unlike what either of us had expected. I am beyond lost now. I am impelled ahead with the futile desire to help Charles and get us home. 
The deeper I get, the worse shape the structures seem to be in. All the cracks and missing pieces are filled with the same living tissue. Its density only increases as I follow the sounds. Always following the sounds. I know I should be running in the opposite direction. The flesh within the buildings ripples in directional peristalsis. I am following it. I have yet to see any entrance to any structure. September 15th, 2016. The city is more meat than stone now. The wet whispers assault my ears and work to infiltrate all of my senses. I feel them coursing through my body. Onward still I trudge. The temperature is warmer. I can think of nothing other than forward movement. September 16th, 2016, the cold has been replaced by heat and humidity. The stone has been subsumed by flesh. Titanic structures of muscle and veins reach towards the gray sky. All is wet. All is moving. September 17th, 2016, this morning I discovered Charles. A. Charles. Whether it was my partner or not is something I don't know. He was trapped within the meat of a structure. It appeared his body had been incorporated into the surrounding flesh. Thick veins fed his legs and neck. A few feet away, other Charleses were growing from different structures. All were in different forms of development. All twitched and moved with the all-encompassing fleshscape. The fleshscape. Fleshscape. They've since noticed me. They began with simple staring, but now... They are reaching. The hands of my partner, the man I've loved, are extending towards my hands. Hands which they've held countless times in what feels like a distant past. The wet whispers are seductive and intoxicating. I look back towards the sea of flesh and stone I've crossed to reach this point. The thought of the cold on the outskirts of the city is hideous. To leave the warm womb where I am wanted and accepted seems abhorrent. And now, as veins extend from the hand of the Charleses, patiently waiting for my acceptance, I have a choice. Do I leave, cold and alone, or do I enter this union of flesh? I've been cold and alone for so long, I need to believe I'm ready for something new, something warm, something we can experience together. Pray for me. Pray for us. I just love my Charleses. I fucking love macaroni. Hey, get in this, hey, get in this fucking flesh, Georgie. You like it? You like it? You like it so much? What do you think of that story? Can I see your butt? Can I Originally, see your butt? when when it was just about them afraid to enter a city, I was gonna say like that's that's just how everyone approaches uh, the entire state of New Jersey. <laughs> it's like they sleep in tents on the bridge. We paused on the border, and they're just like. You know, there are people in New York, and they're mm-hmm. like, "We gotta, we gotta get through it." And we gotta they're go. Just, they're they're all staying on that side. Wait, let's give it another day. I'm not yeah. sure. We could come back. We could come back again. We can we can think this out. So this is the last story. This is a creepy pasta. We haven't read many creepy pastas in a while, but this is an OG called Harmony. You sound like you're announcing a stripper. Harmony to the stage. <laughs> Shake that ass, bitch. Let me see what you got. Ah. <clears throat> October 23rd, 1937. Biala, Poland. We have gathered great amounts of information from the local villagers. They seem scared, terrified even, but willing to talk. 
Our interpreter has problems with the English language, which slows down our progress. Without him, we would be lost, though. The forest. That's where we can find it. You can see it in their eyes, the swift and nervous glances at the brim of the woods. Sometimes it comes out, they say, only at night, dashing along the outskirts of Viala. We haven't mended all the pieces of the puzzle, but it is time to move onwards. Dr. Yuri is getting tenser every day. I can see it in his movement. He barely talks anymore, and when he does, it's angry yells at his servants. We all feel the upcoming adventure. We are so close. October 25th, 1937. Okinoki, Poland. We saw it. A first glimpse of the creature that we have been following for weeks. We were walking amidst the trees, almost leaving the forest and reaching the town of Okidopi, when it came into the open field that lay before us. It was so fast, so majestic. I saw tears of delight streaming over Dr. Yuri's face. It has been a great day for all of us. No longer do we have to rely on the eyes of the local people. We saw it ourselves. I am happy and excited. Tomorrow the hunt will start. We will split up in three groups. One will head south in the direction of the river. Another one will go east in the direction of Yala. I will join the doctor's group. We will go north. The course the creature was headed when we saw it rushing through the fields. There won't be much sleep for me tonight. The adrenaline is streaming through my veins even as I am writing this. October 22nd, 1937. Just Poland. Just one more time. October 26th. October 22nd. October. Why do you keep fucking up the date? October 21st, <laughs> 1947. Germany. <laughs> it is dark. I am Hitler. <laughs> it is oh, dark. shit. Wait, go back. Let's go back. I, I got it. We got it. October 26th, 1937. Just Poland. It is dark already. I am writing this at the light of our campfire. It is cold and the tents are not able to keep off the cooling wind and occasional raindrop. I think we are almost at 15 kilometers north of Okinoki. It has been a hard day for all of us. When I opened my eyes this morning, I had faith. I believed we would find it today, maybe even capture it. But the terrain was rougher than before. Hills, rocks, and dense bushes slowed us down and took away our overview. We have not seen it today, but we have heard it. The song it sings is incomparable to that of any other animal. It is a song of hope and dreams. I am aware of the bitter irony that the song that which keeps us going is sung by the creature that we are hunting down. I'm not sure about Yuri's intentions, but it is not likely he will show compassion once we have found it. I don't want it dead, but neither am I able to stop Yuri from killing it. My happiness of yesterday has been washed away by worries and rain. October 28th, 1937. Still in Poland. The terrain has changed again. I have no idea where we are. I don't think anyone knows. The dense forest has given way to open hills. It's beautiful. The fresh dew and the morning sun give the tall grass a lush and purple glow. My presumption of before has been proven correct. The creature knows we are following it. Out in the fields of Biala, we saw how fast it was. But for the last two days, it kept close to us, adapting itself to our slow march. Sometimes we see it, but it's the song that guides us and keeps us on track. Yuri is exalted. I have doubts, however. It seems as though we are lured into the unknown. Everyone is tired. It's not a good sign with a full day of walking ahead of us. October 29th, 1937. Everything is going wrong. I made a horrible mistake coming here. Two of Yuri's servants are dead. I don't know where we are. The sun did not set last night. Either we are all going insane or we are no longer on an earthly place. Yesterday we walked for hours following its song. The landscape never changed, as if we were walking in circles. 
The hills seem to repeat themselves, copying each other's shapes and curves. And then there is the grass. Endless waves of purple grass. Nobody expected there to be cliffs in these hills. When we found out, it was already too late. Mishka and Kram slipped down the edge and fell in the dark void within the blink of an eye. We don't know how deep the ravines are. We never heard them reach the bottom. We are using ropes to bridge gaps. It's a huge delay in our progress. We are resting now. Everyone is trying to sleep in a tarp with the burning sun that doesn't want to leave. I don't know if it's night or day anymore. All I know is that song is getting louder every second. <laughs> oh my god! Sometime in 1937. I am all alone now. Have I gone mad? Reality escapes me with every second I spend in this place. Rainbows are everywhere. We lost another three men a while ago. Hours, days, the last of Yuri's servants. Two of them disappeared in the black abyss when the rope snapped. Another one was shot by Yuri when he tried to attack him. I understand his anger. No man would voluntarily go into this place. Yuri and I decided to rest in a tent to release some stress and fear. We were awoken by its song, now closer than ever. It told us to open our eyes and come into the open. I refused, clenching the small sense of security the tent had to offer, but Yuri did it. He went outside. I heard a spine-chilling scream as Yuri was impaled by the horn of the shadowy figure. I don't know much time has passed since. The creature is still standing outside waiting for me. It never stopped singing. It wants to be with me. Always. So here's here's the real question. Loved it. What what song do you think it was singing? Always I wanna be with you. And make believe with you and live in harmony, harmony, oh love. I think it was singing that. What song is that? When you are editing this episode, sure. you are gonna look up this moment in time and be like, what is he talking about? And then you're gonna like do a couple Google searches and then you're gonna be like, holy shit, this story got twice as good so you understood i got it. something made sense to you there uh-huh you're gonna uh, you're I gonna did, you're I gonna get it get. you're gonna get it and you're gonna be like wow past me and past my partner in this production mm-hmm. gave me a little present and i'm opening it now what a nice treat to have a little present from past me and look at that okay open your eyes i see Alright, I believe you. For sure. For real. So that's why the story is called Harmony. Yeah. Interesting. Mm hmm. 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 That kind of makes it creepier. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was great. Why would you follow something singing that song, though? Always, I wanna be with you and make but yeah, oh yeah, girl. Um. Why would you not? Okay. You know. All right. It's a good enough. It's a good enough retort, I guess. You know. <laughs> you have a squeeze dial. You can adjust the squeeze. I can. I a little can bit of squeeze, squeeze or a little more squeeze. Click audio dial. Squeeze it. Um. 
squeeze. So, how would you feel about this explore exploratory surgery episode? I had so much fucking fun tonight. Did you? Yeah. You drank a course. Yeah, it's because it's the silver bullet. Um, it's the world's most refreshing can. Was it in there? Yeah. You didn't bring that. No. You just wanted it. Yeah, it's probably fifteen years old. Twenty fourteen. Oh, is it really dated for 2014? Uh-huh, it's November 17th. Oh, yeah, it is. 2014. This was an old beer. How was it? Did it taste old? Oh, my God, that was a four-year-old beer. Does that taste? Does it taste that way? It tastes like Coors Light. It tastes like shit. Wow. So it was all right, is what you're saying. I've been poisoned. No, I mean, you. I didn't, <gasps> I didn't force that upon you. What if I now have, like, little reddish-gray patches of skin, and you're like, whoa... Drango, you got fat, but it's really I have really slugs now yeah, from the you beer. Got those, you got those beer slugs. You got those New York Jetso slugs. Yeah, that they they come. Do you like my jacket? Tell you to buy a nice New York. Do you like Jets this jacket? jacket? Do you like the jacket? Where did you get that New York Jets jacket? The jacket. Do you like the jacket? That says Jets. It says Jets right here. Do you uh-huh. like it? Do you like the jacket? It's green. It says sports right here. It says Jets. Sports. It's a sports jacket. It says sports jacket. And then it says Jets in the back. Does it say the word jacket? Yeah, it says sports jacket. It says sports jacket. It was sold with all the other sports jackets, but it was obviously a sport jacket, not sports jacket like everything else in the section. It totally makes sense. Yeah. I, I go to stores like that. Where they mix the sports jackets and sports jackets? I shop at those stores. Yeah, you can't shop at those stores anymore. That's called Salval. That's that's the only store that does that. I'm ending it. Do it. Edit it, <laughs> pussy. You won't. No, you didn't. I, I just I just didn't know where I wanted it to go. Yeah. Um, okay, so that was that was the episode. We just we you know we hopped all over the place yep. and we we it was uh, around the world in eighty days starring Jackie Chan and uh, was it we no oh oh awesome. awesome wow yeah wow, wow. and um. Incredible. I, uh, I'm, I'm both unsurprised by the stories we read today because the, the guesses we made earlier on were pretty much where the stories went. So hopefully your next episode is not this. We, we are literally the two most different people in the world. This was like, you really enjoyed this. This was great. You enjoyed this. This whole... Jesus, fuck. My time was great. <laughs> you enjoyed this. This was stellar. Oh, we read man. about a man with a spoon. Yeah. We read about a man with a fork. We did. We, we read about those men. Uh, a robot a, unicorn tech. There was a bird cage. We, we learned about a bird cage. We learned about forks. I already covered that. We learned that. about China. There was one in China. It was huge. We did so many things. We covered... We globetrotted. And I really appreciate that. I think that was cool. Well, tell you what, I'll, I'll cut this. If Terry doesn't come back for that 50 haunted place, it's totally yours. Whoa. Because I want to do it. Woo! It's the, the top haunted places in the country, the state, and then... The county, municipality, no. school district, tax district. We I, do the scariest place on each block in the United States. And then we do, it's kind of a uh, listener special, we do the scariest person... For each person. And it's actually just the name of every person. <laughs> He's the scariest. That's the <laughs> end of the episode. Every single person is the scariest. <laughs> States. Uh-huh. Pennsylvania. And top for the country. Right. 
So we go through the 50 states. And there are like 8 for PA and like 16 for the country, I think. That makes sense. But yeah, it's cute. <laughs> and I like the the kind of like... Some of the stories did like a non-fiction thing. Mm-hmm. The others, not so much. Nope. Then you had Forks and Spoons. Fucking Spoon Guy. Um, Yeah. It did. It did several things. It did. It did some of it. But That's I'm glad. True. I'm glad yeah. you had fun doing mm-hmm. doing them. I had fun doing. That's several why things. we're here, folks. So I, I hope you had fun sitting, so, sitting there listening. Give me a, hit us a like on the hit the subscribe button. It's gonna be your top right. Yeah. Uh, Captain Death will put an annotation put it, in the video. Add it to your earlier comment about put it your favorite. What we should call the fans. Put it on your pocket. And, download pocket for your Apple it, Watch. Make it and not tell us Hitler. What's your favorite? What's your wrong. favorite segment of app development, and why is it public beta? And then give us a like on our SoundCloud. Uh, and don't forget to go over to. We gotta source them. You, put, gotta, you gotta source them. Everyone sources you, them. Absolutely. You gotta. You gotta. You have to. You have, you have to, to source right. Wikipedia. You're right. So and source you have it, to donate at least. Make sure to send me. Send me your DeviantArt twice. password. Your password for DeviantArt in a in a Glassdoor review. Review AT&T. Say say. Ask us what was what was what was the AT&T's favorite lots of pasta episode, uh-huh. and then put it on our live blog. Uh, and and as always, what do we what do we say at the end of every episode? Always thanks. Don't thanks for thank doing you. It. Thanks for nothing. Thanks for everything. And and suck off. Stay spooked. Last night in the deep